so, um, you know, to get back to your question, I mean, I don't think it took that long for us to realize that, okay, it's time maybe for me to, you know, think for myself or think about myself. So see what I have to do to get back to my family. You're listening to WSUM 91.7 FM Madison. The opinions expressed on this show do not reflect the views of WSUM, UW-Madison, or its Board of Regents. I'm Matt Wolf with Bennett Majorowski. This is Hypernormal. Welcome to Hyper Normal. This is our 24th show. 24 times where we've shared something in the hopes of entertaining you, maybe even teaching, but maybe that's a stretch. When I reflect on all the stories that we've had, I realize that they mean something to me different now than when we first made them. Somehow the story changed. Um, this week, we've tried to present a story that can mean different things to you at different times. Please enjoy. Do you think people changed because of this or because of any tragedy? Do you think when something happens, they will be different afterwards? Or do they go back to being the same at some point? I think most people go back to being the same. Um, you know, you something tragic happens and you say to yourself, well, I can't take life for granted and I need to you know, be really present for my family and I need to do good things and, and this and that. And, and for some people that can stay with them, it becomes habit, but I bet a lot, for a lot of us, we just fall back into the same old things. That's my dad. I had just dropped you off at daycare, um, which was a few miles away from where I worked. And this is my mom. And so I got in my car and started driving. Yeah, I remember this one business trip I went on. I was going to Denver. And in the middle of the flight, the flight attendant gets on the intercom and says, hey, we have to, uh, we have to divert the flight to Omaha, Nebraska. You know, we've been asked to land. There was like a security breach at O'Hare. I was right in front of the fire station, sitting at the red light, and I was listening to the radio in the car. And, you know, again, I was on the plane with it. It's mostly business travelers, and everybody's like, oh, man, you know, these airlines stink. You know, what's going on here? Why is this the case? And then I was reminded that there was some kind of weird uh, thing at O'Hare prior to that where, like, a guy jumped through the security line. And he ran out onto the, toward the gates. 
and they ended up like evacuating the whole terminal. You know, so we're figuring out oh, some stupid thing like that. And the DJ broke into the song in the middle of the song, interrupted it, and said that a small aircraft had fall, had flown into one of the towers of the World Trade Center. But you know, we're business travelers, and we cannot be inconvenienced whatsoever. And I thought it was really odd that they were breaking into the song because that wasn't very common. I went into my office and a colleague, John, came into my office and he said, did you hear what happened? A, a jumbo jet has flown into the World Trade, Trade Center. And everybody was like going, they were trying to work, but they were going to the, you know, to, to look at the news at the same time because everybody was a little bit confused what was going on. The gate agent gets on the intercom and she says, this was a terrible day in the history of America. We are under attack. And you know, everybody looks at each other like, what the heck? And then all of a sudden, a, a, another plane went into a building and, and that's when everybody seemed to stop working. They, they were just kind of glued to the news because that's when people knew that this wasn't just a freak accident that happened. Like it wasn't somebody having an art, a heart attack flying into an air, uh, a, flying their plane into a, a building. They knew that this was something much more deliberate and strange and um, people just didn't know what to think of this. And, and we get off the jet bridge just in time to see the first World Trade Center fall. I remember going back into Al's office and he had the radio on while he was working on my project. And when I went back there, he looked at me and he said, the World Trade Center, one of the towers of the World Trade Center just fell down. And I looked at him and I said, Al, You've got to be kidding me. Do you know how big that building is? It can't just come down. Like, something major has to happen to bring it, that entire building down. It's huge. And he said, I just heard it on the radio. It, it, they are saying that the whole building came down. And so we were just really confused at this point. At this point, we our heads were just spinning. And what I remember is, it was pretty calm for something so crazy like that. I, I don't remember any crying. I don't remember people screaming obscenities. I remember people like just staring at the screen, probably saying, oh my God, over and over under the breath, and just with their jaws wide open. But it was very calm feeling in the terminal. Dead quiet. You've never heard an airport terminal that quiet. And so that, nobody was working. Like, everybody was just glued to the news, confused. And that's when it dawned on me that um, your dad was on an airplane. Like, at that moment, he was supposed to be on an airplane going to a business meeting in Colorado. And so I thought, wow, I wonder where he is. I wonder what's going on. 
And so I tried calling his cell phone, and I kept getting a busy signal, which was really strange. Well, you know, what's funny is I don't think I had a phone at that time. Or, uh, I think I had, like, a calling card. You know, like, we just stop and find pay phones on the way. And I know that the, the lines were jammed, so um, we just couldn't get through. You know, so after a while, me and my associate, who I was flying with, were like, well... Man, if we want to get home to Chicago, we're going to have to, like, get a car. And, uh, you know, everybody had that idea. So I'm wondering how much time it took. I'm thinking we maybe stood and watched TV for, like, 10 minutes, maybe, and then we were like, okay, we better get going. Um, I'm sure people, and when we got there, it was, there was already a long line. You know, we just got in line with everyone else. Um, so I guess it didn't take that long after the initial shock and seeing what was unfolding and understanding that reality to see yourself, well, I got to do something for myself, you know, if I want to get back somewhere. You know, the, the planes were shut down for like a week. So, you know, I was, uh, eight hours away from to Chicago. So, um... You know, to get back to your question, I mean, I don't think it took that long for us to realize that, okay, it's time maybe for me to, you know, think for myself or think about myself. Let's see what I have to do to get back to my family. You know, I was at work. I was trying to get my project done because I had a tight deadline and I was working back and forth with Al. And it was going very slowly because nobody really was working. Everybody was talking about this and I was trying my best to get something done to, to hit the deadline, but, you know, there was only so much we could do given the circumstances and given the confusion and, and the, just the general feeling in, in my office. When something upsets the order, I wonder if the first emotion for all of us is fear. And if the first emotion is fear, people tend to I think, uh, think about themselves more than maybe others. Not everyone, but I think a lot of us probably have that um, fight or flight reaction and trying to think about themselves. Um, I think that that's pretty normal. You know, you would hope that things like that would, would cause people to be maybe more altruistic. And, and certainly some people do. But, but I think it's, Probably fear is the first thing, and, and when you're fearful, you are defending yourself, absolutely. I don't really remember too much, except I do remember finally getting a phone call from your dad, and he said that they made them land in Omaha. They never even made it to their meeting, and so they landed in Omaha, and... I said, well, well, now what? And he said, oh, well, we ran to go get a, a, a rental car because we knew everybody else would be running to the rental car counters. So we wanted to make sure that we got there so that we could get a, a car. Because I think at some point during the day, they said they grounded all the planes. So that's when I started to wonder where he was and what was going on with him. You know, I guess as I think back on that day, um, 
I think about perspective. And um, you know, before we knew what had happened, you were all annoyed at being inconvenienced, right? That was our first reaction. And, um, you know, sadly, I haven't totally learned to have perspective all the time, you know, even at this age. You know, sometimes you you hear something and you have a reaction, and the reaction is totally selfish. Um, and when I think back about that day, about how selfish I or people might have felt about a minor inconvenience of a business meeting, to know that what really happened affected, like, thousands of families. I, I wish we could have that perspective all the time and be calm all the time. So, um, again, it's like an example that you can't take things for granted. And I wish that me and, and all of us could think that all the time. Um, I do remember driving back, and we had, like, NPR on as the day is unfolding because you're finding out that there's multiple planes in multiple locations and and I could feel myself getting very emotional as I'm driving back getting very angry you know that I was going to like go out and join the National Guard you know and defend our country and we're going to get these terrorists Um, and I know that that event inspired a lot of people Finally I got the phone call from your dad telling me exactly what where he was, he was somewhere between Omaha and um, and Chicago. I don't I don't know where exactly, but um, it, the whole thing was just kind of surreal. Like it was just hard to believe what was going on because nothing like this had ever happened before. That event also makes me think about how each generation in history kind of has its defining events or defining moments, you know, like, um, you know, the, what they call the greatest generation, you know, they had Pearl Harbor, you know, unbelievable shock of what happened on that day. And, and that, that really galvanized that generation. Um, you hear baby boomer type people say, every one of them will say they know exactly where they were when John F. Kennedy got shot in 1963 every single person. And I look at this event as a thing that kind of maybe defines my generation, you know, what who's called the, the Generation X. Actually, you know, it, it probably defines not only mine, but also the millennial generation. I think it's something that's like shared between both of us as that, that point in time, that event where, man, I knew where I was at that point. Funny, it's. I mentioned like Pearl Harbor and how that like really galvanized the generation, and and then maybe I don't know if, if Kennedy being shot had anything to do with like the civil rights movement that happened later in the sixties. Yeah, I'm 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 not sure. You know, if if what came out of nine eleven for this generation, you know, um, I would like to think it was positive. I'm kind of unclear on that. Something tragic 
happens and you say to yourself, well, I can't take life for granted and I need to, you know, be really present for my family and I need to do things and, and this and that. And, and for some people that can stay with them, it becomes habit, but I bet a lot, for a lot of us, we just fall back into the same old things. And, you know, the next time we're on an airplane, you know, we get delayed, you know, the first thing we're going to do is complain about the airline and uh, why people are, um, are making us late.
Welcome back to Hypernormal. Thank you for joining us on this beautiful Sunday. This is our 24th show, like we said earlier. Debatably somewhere between 24 and 27. Um, I'm here with Matt Wolf. Hi, Bennett. Hello. So, we just finished up our penultimate episode. We will have one more. That's right. In the Hypernormal book. It'll end. We're really we're looking forward to the last episode. At least I am. How do you feel about it, Bennett? I agree. Uh, we have an exciting show coming to you. No, oh, there's sun in his eyes. I thought he was signaling me. No, but, sorry. Um, we I'm really excited for the last episode. Uh, something special coming your way, folks. So make sure you tune in. But right now we're gonna take a look back uh, at what we've learned over these more than 24 weeks, but 24 hours of radio content that we've brought to you, listeners. Um, If any of you are listening right now and would like to uh, chime in, make sure you give us a call here at the station. Um, We're going to look up the phone number right now because we are not very good at it. Actually, here's a number. 1-608-265-9786. That is 608-A-O-K-W-S-U-M. I just learned by looking at a sign on the wall. Oh, that's what that means. Yeah, probably. Well, what is... Is that like old phones where it used to have like three letters on each number? Cell phones have those too. They still do? Yeah, they didn't get rid of it. Oh. But... Oh. Like we said, you learn something every time. <laughs> normal happens. But uh, before the show, Bennett and I had a mini debate over how many episodes we have put together. Um, And he said somewhere between 24 and 27. Uh, Those three questionable episodes, one was a radio special, a Hanukkah Christmas radio special, where we took some time. We were joined by Talia Rutassel and uh, just got in the the holiday spirit. It was a a great, great three hours of radio, or is it two hours of radio material? That we brought to you. I think it was the full three because we had the two hours of sub. Um, oh, no, 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 no. No? It was two hours. Am I thinking of a different thing? Yeah, because we had a three-hour hypernormal marathon at oh one point. Oh, my God. In which the two first hours were a look back at some of our uh, greatest hits and, yeah. and deep cuts. Um, and the final hour was a new hour of radio content. But uh, the Hanukkah Christmas special straddled the safe hour uh, cutoff. It was from 9 to 11. Yeah, so we've had a bunch of, like, episodes that are not technically hypernormal, but they're something. They're in the hypernormal family of shows. (laughs) We may have just launched, like, four additional shows and only did one episode of each. Well, there are two shows that we're not talking about. The Borse Report and Smoother Ride. Smoother Ride. (laughs) So... (laughs) Those were a lot of fun, but we don't want anybody to hear them. I don't think there's any record. No, there is a record for sure. But we'll I saved Smoother Ride because <laughs> I thought it was so bad. We'll never let that. We'll never let that out. Maybe someday. Well, okay. Let's dive into our look back. This is the first long-term thing where I've like continually gone through a something only for myself. I've done things for myself, obviously, but this is a full year, essentially worth of something that only matters to us. Right. Um, And if we put out garbage, 
it's essentially the same thing to everyone else as if we put out something that's pretty good. Right. <laughs> not It's not the same to us if it's garbage. But if it was garbage, I think nobody would speak up. I think, yeah, our parents would probably still listen. The, the pe- I, I think we have some listeners, regular listeners, who listen to our show because it's decent. Uh, if it was awful, those numbers would decline a little bit. But at the end of the day, we're not really here for you know, listeners. We appreciate the listeners. I, I sincerely mean that. I really appreciate the listeners. Absolutely. But, but we're here for ourselves to make something, to say something. Like, it just so happens that the end game of our activity is public. Right. Like, if radio broadcast to nobody, and that's just what radio was then we wouldn't really be having this conversation. It would just be like, we're just doing this activity for ourselves and no one would question. Well, I don't know, actually. I think it's really important that they're, we're saying it to somebody. Our regular listeners, we appreciate, but just the fact that somebody might be listening, I think is crucial to what we do. Are you talking about accountability? No, just the idea, like, we're not writing this down and shoving it in a shoebox and putting that in the bottom of our closet. We're putting it out on public radio for anybody who could listen to hear. We're putting it on the internet for anybody to hear. I think that's kind of important. I don't know exactly why, but I think it is very important. Like you want to create something good because it's public or no? No, it's not about... I, I want to create something worth listening to that I think people should hear. It's not really about... I mean, if it's good, that helps. But I think like all of our shows, all the stories that we've shared on this show, people should hear. Uh, Maybe they'll learn something from it. Maybe it will help them understand somebody a little better. And it's really important that people hear the stories. I I understand what you're saying. I I get why it needs to be public. Would you, if, if it was just we were making something to have and not to share... What do you think would change? I think we'd care a little less, but I think I still, even though I'm helping to make the show, I'm the, I'm a listener too, like especially to the interviews. Uh, I don't know. What do you think would change? I don't think the quality would change because I think... I'm I'm really thinking along the lines of accountability, but I think you hold me accountable more than any one of our listeners i mean yeah i mean i i want to create something good for you because you're also creating something good for the show hello hi 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 is this bennett this is bennett hi bennett this is michelle hi michelle hi michelle how's it going (laughs) i'm good how are you matt i'm good uh i wanted to tell you that i think the fact that storytelling in terms of your grandfather and your um, ability to know who he was, him having passed before, like you got a chance to know him the way other people did. And that like profound revelation leading you to want other people's stories to have a platform for that same powerful opportunity is, um, more of what should be put out into the world, whether they're trying or not. So I wanted to say that. And I also wanted to say that um, because of this, like every day I pass this totem pole on the way into work. And I was so curious, like how it got there. Cause it looked like from the Dells. 
And so my friend and I are going to go, like I found out the story and I'm where he's going to tape me by it, like telling like how it got there and how I found out about it. And the lady who ended up telling me the story knows so much about Kenosha County that like now she's this big, huge judge. And I just think she got there because she invested in a community and learned their lore, if you will. And then that just made her so relatable to everybody she met and so sincere in like her pursuits to do good things for the town. Yeah. And so I love what you guys are doing <laughs> and I wish it wasn't ending. Well, <laughs> thank you, Michelle. Um, what, I, I think it's awesome to hear that our stories have had impact and also even cooler that our stories have inspired you to do something similar. So we really appreciate that. And thank you for the call, Michelle. Thank you. Yeah, keep it up. All right. Thanks, you guys. Bye-bye. Bye. Thank you, as always, for listening to Hypernormal. Next week, Hypernormal will be taking a break, but we'll be back with you two weeks from now for the grand finale of Hypernormal. That's right, our show is coming to an end, but we'd really appreciate your listenership one last time. Thanks again for listening to the show. I'm Matt Wolf with Bennett Majorowski. When I wake up in the morning, love And the sunlight hurts my eyes And something without warning, love Bears heavy on my mind Then I look at you And the world's all right with me Just one look at you and I know it's gonna be a lovely day. Then I